mark in your Bible and uh, that you're referencing the calendar and trying to keep this theme in front of us all through this year. Uh, One way, of course, to help continue in the Apostles' Doctrine is to uh, know the Apostles' Doctrine. So I want to challenge you, the 90-day Bible reading um, stuff, the sign-up sheet in the back is filling up, uh, but uh, endeavor to be involved in that. Uh, 90 days takes about uh, an hour uh, each day uh, to get through uh, the sections, uh, and there's numbers of ways that you can do that. You can find, of course, we'll have something you can follow, uh, but there are also things online that you can follow. Uh, but the most important thing is that we're in the Bible uh, and reading it and studying meditating upon it. Uh, and you say, well, I can read the Bible, but I don't retain a whole lot when I read it. Uh, well, you can pour water through a strainer. It doesn't hold water, but it'll be a cleaner strainer. Uh, and the Bible says that if we read His Word, it cleanses us. And so uh, I promise you this. Well, God promised His Word won't return unto Him void. So you have a promise of God. But I promise you, a 100% money-back guarantee, it will help you, not hurt you, uh, if you read uh, the Bible. So uh, here we have uh, in the church at Jerusalem uh, the, the account of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God uh, coming there, and, uh, and Peter preaching a very, uh, very important message, one of the best messages really uh, in all of Scripture. Uh, and it got to the point where 3,000 people believed, uh, trusted Christ as their Savior, and were baptized and added unto the church. This isn't the beginning of the church. This is the empowering of the church, in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but we find God adding to something that was already there. In fact, today we'll have uh, uh, members join the church, follow the Lord in, in baptism at the conclusion of the service. Uh, and added. We're not adding the souls today in the sense that they're getting saved, uh, but they will become part of our church uh, as they unite with us. Uh, but in uniting with the church, uh, there's a lot of things involved. Uh, and here in the, uh, in the New Testament, uh, in the first churches that God established, uh, the Apostles' Doctrine uh, was the rule. Uh, as we, a little bit of review, the Apostles' Doctrine uh, is the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, uh, because that's what these New Testament believers had. They've been saved by grace through faith. Uh, Paul is preaching uh, the gospel, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We believe that Jesus died, rose again the third day, uh, according to the scriptures, uh, and that he, uh, Jesus, paid our sin debt on the cross at Calvary. Uh, so we uh, place our faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary uh, and accept by faith that payment uh, by praying and asking God to forgive us. It's repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, so uh, they would preach, uh, and in the New Testament, uh, there are hundreds and hundreds, 800-something references to New T- Old Testament scriptures. Uh, of course, our Savior uh, quoted them 78 times himself uh, in the Gospels. And so uh, the Old Testament, uh, the Law and the Prophets, uh, all that scripture is profitable for doctrine. Uh, We read about that in Scripture as well. So they had that. But they also had the words and works of Jesus. And so as they walked with Him and uh, and they heard His uh, teaching, uh, of course, one of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of the more memorable uh, ones for us all, uh, you get in there and you read, and he says, you're going to do this, and blessed are they this. And, uh, and they had all of the instruction of Jesus, uh, who, by the way, is the greatest leader uh, of all time. Uh, and, uh, and in the end, uh, some of his teachings, his doctrine, were hard sayings. Uh, and not easily received, and there were many that left following the Lord. Uh, and at the very end, there were the apostles, and in uh, very few uh, that were with him. Uh, and then we find 
uh, him uh, after his, uh, his resurrection and his ascension, uh, he, uh, the, the church beginning to grow. We find 120 of them, uh, and then we find a sermon, and all these thousands are added. Uh, later on, we find more uh, added, and the church began to, uh, to multiply uh, and, and to grow. They met daily. They cared daily. They won souls daily, uh, and uh, they searched the scriptures daily. Uh, is what the Word of God teaches. So he says, continue. Uh, that word continue uh, really simply means to persevere and to constantly be diligent. Uh, steadfast, uh, as we've talked about, means to be firm in purpose, uh, steadily directed, uh, unwavering uh, in our faith and in our service for God. Now remember, we're not going to get into it a whole much today, uh, but, uh, but continuing steadfastly in a, the apostles' doctrine uh, is not just believing really hard in what the doctrine is. Somehow we've understood uh, that someone to be sound doctrine is to only believe uh, in uh, the big doctrinal things and uh, about the infallibility of Scripture, the virgin birth, or uh, the local church, and, uh, and uh, the preeminence of Christ, and all of those are from Scripture, and those are articles of faith and things that we believe, and they are doctrinal teachings. Uh, but the apostles' doctrine included all of the apostles' writings. It's the whole Word of God. Uh, and it included conduct, uh, not just creed, uh, not just beliefs, uh, but behavior. Belief drives behavior. So to continue in these four things, the first being the apostles' doctrine, means to continue in some things. It means doing some things. And much of our New Testament Almost all of it really uh, teaches us how we're supposed to live for the Lord, how we're supposed to uh, talk or behave, what we're supposed to do, not just in service to God and worship uh, in congregational type settings, uh, but individually. Uh, so we, the apostles' doctrine that we continue in is law and the prophets, the teachings of Jesus, and then what the apostles wrote. And as they were writing these under inspiration of God and teaching the churches that they were pastoring and the Christians that were being saved, uh, we have the benefit of the apostles' teachings being compiled uh, and uh, these letters being preserved uh, in the canon of Scripture. Uh, and in our hands, we have the preserved Word of God. Uh, so for us, uh, we have a better... Um, more complete uh, record uh, than the early churches did because they didn't have the complete Bible in their hands. So you ought to love it. You ought to read it. You ought to read it in 90 days uh, and, uh, and get into it. Uh, and, but here's the, here's the catch. Uh, he says to continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. In the early church time, um, there were uh, the environment... Uh, was one that was a very difficult one. Uh, people were getting saved out of Judaism, and uh, uh, people were getting saved out of Gentile um, uh, you know, uh, teachings, and, uh, and in the places where many of these churches uh, were planted uh, in the missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, uh, idolatry uh, was rampant, um, false uh, gods and false teaching um, were, was permeating uh, the early church. And part of the problem was, uh, is that just like if you think back to the children of Israel, uh, God uh, delivered them, brought them out of Egypt, uh, and brought them to the promised land. All right? The promised land is a picture of a victorious Christian life. Uh, they wandered in the wilderness those 40, uh, 40 years and all that God had done. 
Uh, and, uh, but straight out of the gate, once they, um, they were complaining. Uh, and, uh, and again, um, you know, having been to the wilderness of Zin uh, and, uh, and to see that all it is is desert, um, if I was a child of Israel, uh, I would complain. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I feel a little bit better about uh, them uh, having been there and seen it because it's harsh. It's a harsh environment. Uh, but they, as soon as they start, they say, we remember how it was back in Egypt in the cucumbers and the leeks and how, you know, even though they had taskmasters or whatever, they felt like, hey, uh, at least we had things to eat and things to drink. Uh, and the analogy is, is that God can get Israel uh, out of Egypt, but it's harder to get Egypt out of Israel. Uh, so it's a picture of getting us out of the world. Uh, and uh, when you got saved and placed your faith and trust in Christ, uh, the Word of God says that you were, um, you were plucked out of the miry clay and set on solid ground. You were lost, then you were found. You were, uh, you're on a path that led to destruction, now you're on a straight and narrow. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. God changed you, uh, and He brought you out uh, of sin debt uh, and made you and quickened you and made you alive in Christ. Uh, so, in essence, He has taken us out of the world, uh, and He course, instructs us through the apostles' doctrine uh, to be in the world but not of the world, to come out from them and be separate, saith the Lord. Uh, and all the way through uh, the scriptures teaches us uh, the, uh, the principles, the, the chemistry of separation, is, it's been uh, called, and what that means is that which is holy is always profaned by that which is unholy. Uh, anything that was what was blessed as being holy, the garments of the priest, whatever it was, if it was to touch, anything that was unclean, it always made that which was holy unclean. That's a biblical principle uh, from the from the uh, the prophets, the law and the prophets uh, that is intact and in you know uh, effect uh, for New Testament Christians all the way through uh, the Bible through the Book of Revelation. So God uh, instructs us through the apostles' doctrine. Uh, to, uh, to not walk disorderly. Uh, in fact, tonight, uh, we're going to look at that word, and, and I'll kind of, not to be a spoiler, but let, let me preface what I'll preach on tonight this way. The Bible tells us in, in uh, third John, 1 John and 3 John, uh, that um, we're not to walk in darkness. There are people that walk in darkness. And so if I was to ask you the question, and we were to go around the room and get answers from people, when I say, what does walking in darkness mean? Um, we begin to then run down a list of things, a list of sins, a list of behaviors that people do that are an indication that they walk in darkness. It's walking, it's being a worldling, um, being in the world, but loving the world when God says we shouldn't be. And we walk in darkness, and the Bible says, uh, if we walk in darkness, we do not the truth. Uh, but he says, John does, to uh, his children, those he's writing to, uh, he says he has no greater joy than to hear that his children walk in truth. So we go through a list of things to say, what does walking in darkness look like? Uh, we'd come up with a list of things, a list of sins from Scripture, uh, of things that people would do or acts that they would commit uh, that would say they're walking in darkness. But the same is true about walking in truth. The uh, Bible says we're supposed to walk worthy, uh, and uh, we are to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, and, uh, and, and on and on and on, show our faith by our works. So walking in truth, uh, in the word conversation, uh, so tonight we're looking at that, 
Uh, what does it mean to walk in truth? And, uh, and how does that fit into the apostles' doctrine? And, and, and really what I want to kind of help the church to understand is to be a doctrinally sound individual, to be a doctrinally sound church. It's not just believing, it's, it's behaving. Uh, and somebody is a false in false doctrine, they can believe all the big stuff, but they don't live it. Uh, and so to continue steadfastly uh, means that we, that we are firm uh, and that we, uh, we go forward. Uh, we, we're not going to quit uh, no matter how difficult things get around us. So they, these early Christians, um, if you think of Rome uh, and all that was involved with uh, the persecution of saints, and they would have them in uh, coliseums and, and act out, you know, uh, uh, wartime things that they would do. They'd feed Christians to lions, and, uh, and on and on and on. And all through uh, the, the Dark Ages, uh, there's been persecution uh, to Bible-believing Christians from Christianity. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, a terrible, terrible history, and there really has been no... Uh, um, people group that has been more persecuted over the course of history than Bible-believing Christians. Uh, and uh, if you don't believe that, it's because you don't know that. Uh, and if you look at history uh, and read up on those things, you'll see. Uh, and, uh, and so there are uh, times in history, this was one of them, super difficult. Um, you had people like Nero, uh, who was the, the wicked, most wicked, one of the most wicked kings and leaders ever. Uh, and they were, um, their churches were thriving, uh, and they were growing, but they were being persecuted. Uh, and it was a difficult, difficult time uh, for this to take place. But God says they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. When you read uh, some of the churches uh, of the book of Revelation, uh, when you read about churches like the churches of Macedonia, uh, and Philippi, and Berea, and Thessalonica, uh, there, there were a lot of good things. In the midst uh, of difficulty, uh, they continued steadfastly in doctrine. Now turn with, you, with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. The reason I want to go there uh, is um, the church of Corinth and we've spent time in it recently uh, with uh, some things that we've done uh, for the church and uh, some steps that we've had to take. Uh, and we preach, I preached out of 1 Corinthians to kind of show that process uh, and all that was involved. But the church of Corinth, uh, we know, was a church that was, they were messed up. Uh, they, uh, there was all kinds of sin going on. Uh, we read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. There was a lot of immorality uh, in the church. There, were, uh, there was divisions about uh, like who, uh, who, were, who was your spiritual father. And, uh, and they had different cliques and groups. And uh, we know that they had messed up the Lord's Supper. Uh, and we read about that in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Uh, they just had a lot of false teachers that had, uh, had come into uh, the work there. Uh, but uh, to get a little bit of a background, we know that Paul wrote other letters to them. We have First and Second uh, Corinthians in the Bible, but there's a reference to something that he already wrote. And, and I love, I, when I read First and Second Corinthians um, as from a pastoral standpoint, uh, and to see the... Um, emotional roller coaster uh, that Paul himself was on, uh, how uh, at times he would treat them 
uh, with kid gloves, uh, but also there were times where he just ripped face and just said, you know, here's this. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and they said you, they, they were challenging who he was in his, his apostleship, uh, his, his demeanor. Uh, they were making fun of how short he was uh, and how his speech was. Uh, and, and he was like, oh, yeah, but when I come there, uh, it's going to be on. All right, and so I love the dynamics of it. But the church at Corinth, the city of Corinth, and why I'm referencing this, because you think of the Romans and Roman um, life and all of the indulgences and, uh, and all that you read about in history and that you, that you would see uh, pr- presented in museums and uh, in history books, the like. They were, they were a very indulgent um, society. And, and indulgence, a really nice word for saying very sinful uh, in uh, many ways. The city was a cosmopolitan city, the city of Corinth. Um, it was, uh, and I'm going to read this. Uh, it says, I, it sat on a small sliver of land between two bodies of water. Uh, it was a, uh, a place where everybody converged on Corinth. It was a, uh, a um, shipping city uh, and all kinds of people lived there. They, and with all kinds of people came all kinds of religious beliefs. Whenever you have a melting pot, I think like Seattle, Tacoma is like uh, the, the melting pot of the West Coast. It's like the New York City of, uh, of uh, the West Coast. We have all kinds of cultures, all kinds of nations and people groups represented uh, and even in our church. And I'm thankful for all of that. But as people would come uh, from different places, they bring uh, their religion uh, and beliefs uh, and, and many of them uh, were false religions uh, and false beliefs with them. So the religious background of Corinth was a mix of Greek culture and Roman culture, uh, Oriental culture. Uh, and uh, there was very little um, you know, uh, understanding of this new Christian religion uh, in the town of Corinth. Because it was steeped uh, with... Uh, with all of the other, the other things. The Christian teachings, the Christian doctrines went against the grain of everything uh, that people knew and understood about religion. Uh, and again, um, it isn't that we go like, to a mission field like Croatia uh, and we go there with the intent of influencing them with uh, American Western culture. Uh, we teach and preach the Word of God and the Bible transcends it. Uh, and, uh, and we never find in the Word of God um, believers packaging the gospel message in the apostles' doctrine to fit the culture, to fit the signs of the times. Yet every single day as a pastor, um, uh, you know, we're criticized as Bible-believing Christians uh, for, uh, for trying to continue steadfast in apostolic doctrine. For living. It's not for believing. That's why people say, well, we're, you know, we believe the same way. Well, we may believe the same way, um, you know, uh, intellectually, but how that's borne out in our lives may be completely different. So being sound doctrinally is belief and knowledge in truth, but it's walking in truth. Uh, it, is, it is living for the Lord uh, in our life. Uh, and so here we have this new uh, teaching. Uh, and, and, you know, everything from like, hey, you can eat that meat. What? And everybody's flipping out. Uh, and, uh, or you can, uh, you can go to these places. 
you can be with these people. And, uh, and, and, and it, was, it was absolute, uh, in many respects, pandemonium with this new religion. Corinth was the home of the temple of Aphrodite uh, and Artemis. Uh, Aphrodite, she's supposed to be the goddess of, 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 of sensual love. And, uh, and there were thousands and thousands of, uh, of uh, prostitutes that served in the temple at that time. So even in the, mor- the morally corrupt society of the Roman Empire, Corinth was known for uh, its excess in moral decay. In fact, the word Corinthian was used by the Romans for somebody who was immoral and excessive in that immorality. So it's like the pot calling the kettle black, uh, but it's like here you have uh, loosey-goosey, immoral uh, society, uh, and if you were a Corinthian, you were like the worst of the worst. Uh, Corinth was like uh, the, the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire. Uh, the other day, uh, and I've been, I've been to Vegas uh, to preach in some churches there, and, uh, and, uh, but we got a call on the church phone. It was like, I don't know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, and, uh, and, and it was um, an offer for me to go to the MGM Grand uh, and, uh, and to go there and whatever. And uh, would you like to do that? I'm like, no, not really. Uh, and uh, what is Las Vegas often referred to as? Sin City. And so, so Corinth was the Sin City, Uh, of the Roman Empire. The shipping trade made many people rich, uh, but there were many poor people in that city, and there was a great chasm between the two, uh, between rich uh, and poor. Uh, They did not socialize with one another. Uh, Because of the Oriental cultures, there is even like the caste system in, in many respects. So it was within the atmosphere and context of the Corinthian church, uh, or of Corinth, that the Corinthian church was born. So you have the Apostle Paul and the time that he had spent there uh, and uh, preaching uh, every, every week in the synagogues and reaching people. We read about that in the book of Acts. Uh, people got saved uh, and baptized and added in the church at Corinth grew. Uh, and, uh, but the church at Corinth uh, had a lot of problems. But all the problems stem from one central problem. The people could not or would not detach themselves from the world that they lived in. Um, they were, the, the problems that they were having in the church of Corinth uh, was because they, they had problems shaking off the old man uh, and his deeds. Uh, they had a, a hard time getting out, get the world out of them, not for them being out of the world, and in or in around them at every, you know, every corner uh, was uh, the worldliness, and the culture, and the and the uh, and they were in um, they were in a very tough place. When you ask somebody, you know, a preacher, a minister, a missionary, how things are going, they say, "Well, we're just in a we're in a tough place. Probably uh, no tougher place to plant uh, a a Bible believing church uh, than this than the Las Vegas of Rome, uh, in the city uh, of Corinth." So they were bringing the world into the church. And anytime you bring the world into the church, you bring the world's problems uh, into the church. And so we see that in 1 Corinthians. As, as we read the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, and we see the problems that the Corinthian church had, uh, it, was, it was not unlike the problems that our world has now. And that's what, one of the wonderful things about the Bible, uh, is that it's just as relevant today as it's ever been. And the principles that the church at Corinth had to apply to their life to continue in the Apostles' Doctrine are the same principles that we can apply to our life to continue in the Apostles' Doctrine uh, at the Berean Church uh, of Puyallup. Uh, because, because God's not changed. 
uh, and his word has not changed. Uh, but, but I know what you're thinking. It's, it's, it's tough. It is hard to live for the Lord uh, in society today. But nowhere did God say it was going to be easy. Uh, in fact, the analogy of, of entering into crossing over the Jordan and going to the promised land, it's not a picture of heaven. I mean, sometimes we make that illustration, uh, but it's going from, you know, wandering in the wilderness to living a victorious Christian life. Uh, but when they crossed over, they had giants to kill and they had battles to fight. Uh, and so God's never promised that, that, that we're going to have it easy. And, and we really don't. Uh, and in my life as a Christian, I've been saved since, what, 1987, however many years that is. And, um, you know, I have seen in, in my life um, things become more difficult. Uh, but if we were honest about it, it it's, more, it's more due to our apostasy. We're not, we're not, we're not continuing steadfastly in uh, the apostles' doctrine. It's like we've, been, we've fell prey to um, apostate doctrine. Uh, and, and we keep, because we don't like how hard it is to live as a Christian, we keep buying into false teaching and false doctrine that takes the pressure off. And, um, but, but, you know, it's false teaching. It's not, it's not continuing in what the apostles uh, taught us or what the Word of God uh, says we should do. Illustrated it last week when the Bible says, you know, uh, abstain from all appearances of evil. That's apostolic doctrine. But we do things uh, and look like we're doing bad stuff all the time. And, uh, and so we violate scripture, we don't continue in. And then when somebody says, well, you know, hey, you know, you really shouldn't, you shouldn't park your vehicle at that, you know, it looks like you're at the tavern. Well, come on, chill out. Just relax. It's 2023. But the Bible says to abstain from all appearances of evil. And uh, so when you check or you provoke somebody unto love and good works by saying you need to continue steadfastly in that one principle, then you get labeled as, you know, being, you know, um, nosy or, uh, or uh, you know, being a Pharisee or whatever the case may be. Um, but by the way, you need people in your life that, get, that check you on stuff. Uh, and not just, you know, a preacher. And uh, so um, it, was, it was tough. It was difficult. And so the question then is like, well, how, how do we continue steadfastly? How can we be devoted to um, our beliefs and our behavior and to walk, uh, not contrary to apostles' doctrine, uh, but to be steadfast, to walk in truth uh, in a day and a time uh, when it's super difficult? I'm glad you asked that. First uh, Corinthians chapter number 15. Now, um, I'm going to read the verse, verse 58. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So I've, I've read one verse out of 16 chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, and, uh, and in that verse, uh, God lays out several things. And, uh, uh, but he says, be ye steadfast, unmovable. It's the same steadfast as we find uh, in Acts chapter number 2. Uh, but as I as I rehearse briefly the history, the context of Corinth, um, the city, uh, its, its immorality, and it's the Las Vegas uh, of the empire of Rome. We have Christians uh, in Corinth, saved, baptized believers, who are supposed to continue in an apostolic doctrine, are being bombarded with false teaching, uh, and, uh, and they, by as we read 1 Corinthians, boasted 
uh, about some of the things that were going on uh, in that church. Uh, and, uh, and, and Paul's like, nope, <laughs> uh, there needs to be some wholesale changes. So, so we find and read about, uh, as you go from chapter 1 all the way through chapter number 15, uh, you find all these difficult things and what God, through Paul, is rebuking them of and the changes, uh, etc., all of that. And then we get to verse number 58 of chapter number 15, and it says, Therefore, remember, a hermeneutical practice or principle is whenever there's a therefore, you find out what it's there for. Okay? So, so really what God has done is he's laid 15 chapters out uh, of, of, man, life's tough. And, uh, and sin is rampant. And you're in a bad place. And he says, therefore, uh, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and unmovable. But let's just back up. Here's, here's, this is what I want you to get. When you, we, we can't read the whole chapter, chapter number 15, because we're, uh, we're dealing with the time constraint. Uh, but chapter number 15, dealing with the resurrection. Uh, and uh, in a glorified bodies. And uh, if you've been to a graveside committal service with me, you've heard me preach from this passage of Scripture where it's talking about our bodies, uh, these physical bodies being sown in corruption and, uh, and then reaped in incorruption. Uh, and God's teaching us about uh, celestial things, spiritual things, earthly things. Uh, and, uh, and then talks about the rapture uh, and, uh, and, the, and, and also uh, some language about uh, the life after this life. Uh, Notice what the Bible says in verse number, uh, we'll start reading verse number 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit uh, inherit incorruption. So God won't allow sin into heaven. Okay, God is a God of love, but He's also a just, holy God. Uh, And sin has to be paid for, and He paid for it uh, on Calvary. Uh, And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Behold, Verse 51, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And in a moment, uh, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trump, the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, speaking of this earthly tabernacle, uh, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, uh, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, We know that, um, I say by rapture, by rupture, uh, we're going to be changed. We're going to have a glorified body. Uh, my glorified body will be, I, I don't know, 5'10". I think it will probably be uh, the size of a glorified body. It's like six foot two. Anyways, I think about all that stuff. So I'll get a glorified body uh, and have the mind of Christ. Uh, and that which is corruption will, take on, will be, on, be in corruption. And so, so when Paul is dealing with this church, in the middle of difficulty, difficult times, it's way tougher to be a Christian then than it is right now. Uh, and the world was brought into the church, false teaching. There was all kinds of craziness that was taking place. Uh, but they still had the admonition of God to continue steadfastly. And here we find, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Here's what, God's, here's what God says. Life's tough. And it's filled with sin. It's filled with difficult and difficult people. 
And it's, gonna, it's hard to live as a Christian. But one day, one day, the, Lord's, the trump's going to sound. And the Lord uh, is going to come in the clouds. And uh, he says, the dead in Christ will rise first. And the Bible teaches us that, that, you know, it doesn't matter if the rapture takes place or if to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We know we have the promise of heaven and a secured future uh, and that we're going to be with our Savior. And so he says all that he says in 1 Corinthians, the first 15 chapters, lays out uh, this, this body and, uh, and all of its corruption and says one day uh, it's gonna, everything's going to turn around. Uh, and, uh, and because of that, there's no sting in, in the grave. There's no sting in death. Um, death, the, the process, like, you know, uh, I'm not afraid of dying because I know where I'm going to go. Um, it's, it's how. That, that, you know, how am I going to die? Or uh, when am I going to die? Those are the things that get into our mind. But you know when it does? It's like, it's, it's going to be fine. Because... Just like that, I'm going to go into the presence of God and, God's, and I'm going to be changed. Uh, whether the rapture takes place or whether I see him, all of it's the promise of God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, all right? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as knows your labor is not in vain, the Lord. Here's what God says. Um, everything's going to be worth it. Um, your continuing... And you're being, and again, I can get into it. It's already 12 o'clock. We've got other things to do. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Three-point message there. In what? In the work of the Lord. Uh, and he says, your labor, it is tough and it is work. It's not in vain in the Lord. And uh, so we sing that song, It Will Be Worth It All When We See Jesus. I love it. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs. Um, even one, uh, a song that we sing as a, uh, a trio about um, uh, it's not in vain, uh, the work that we do for the Lord. So how do we continue steadfastly uh, in Apostles' Doctrine in 2023 uh, under Emperor Biden? Uh, is we focus on the hope. That we have in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we can. We're able to be steadfast and unmovable. Um, God's not a changing God. And, and even with all this, we don't, God's word doesn't change with the time. Um, uh, culture can be what it is. Uh, God says, in that culture, you be steadfast and unmovable. In the apostles' doctrine. I'm talking about, you know, everybody's like, whoa, you, you know, the apostles didn't have microphones and screens and all the other different stuff. And I get so tired of people trying to excuse away personal holiness. Um, when the Bible clearly teaches us that that's part of the apostles' doctrine. So I'm saying all this to say this. Uh, I'm challenging you with things that you, you say, if I live that way, if I, if, I read, if I read my Bible 90 days, that's going to be hard work. It's not in vain. Um, there's all kinds of promises attached to it. Uh, and you'll be more equipped to live, you know, the other 24 or 23 hours in the day uh, having spent that one hour in your Bible. And, um, and so it's, it's just a promise that God, how do we, how do, we do that? Uh, by knowing that we're living a vapor life, and pretty soon, if, if, if the Lord takes me home, uh, or if the Lord comes back, um, either way, um, it's just, I can, I can live for Christ now, in this day and time, because, therefore, because of the hope that I have in Christ, and that there's no, it's all worth it. And so when you start thinking you're not going to be able to make it, 
Um, it just simply means we've, we've taken our eyes off uh, of the Lord and, and off of the hope uh, that He has uh, given to us. I'll read this one scripture and I'll be done. Hebrews 6, verses 17 and 19. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable, immutable things it w- in which it is impossible for God to lie, uh, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into within the veil. Uh, though the angry surges roll, uh, we have an anchor, and that anchor is Christ and the hope that we have in Him. It'll get you through the day. It'll get you through 2024. It'll get you through all the way so, Lord willing, that trump sounds. I hope it sounds, I don't know, tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the, on the horizon, worldly speaking, that, that, that concerns us. Um, so, if, if the Lord came back, I'd love it. Um, but if He doesn't, uh, and, uh, and we live longer, um, we're supposed to continue steadfastly uh, in the Apostles' Doctrine. Uh, and, uh, and we can do it because God will never tell us to do stuff we, that we can't do. He'll never, he never lays a demand on you that you, can't, that you cannot fulfill and keep. He's, that's not how God is. So if he says, continue steadfastly, then there's a way you can. Uh, and, uh, and the best practice uh, is, uh, is hope, the hope of glory. Uh, and we need to cultivate that in our life, and that will help us to do exactly uh, what uh, what God tells Christians they should do. Let's all stand.